Network.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. You're listening to America's Web Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is Detailing Addiction. Today, for those of you who are viewing on online and normally expect to see our lovely smiling faces, you're going to see a view of the American flag. The reason for this is manifold. First of all, we like the American flag. And secondly, we have two guests with us um, that are uh, patients who have um, the disease of addiction and who have consented to join us in talking about this very important subject, which is managing pain in the addicted patient. So I'd like to welcome our guests today, Jennifer T. and Michael D., as well as David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Thank you all for being here. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. It is, um, it is really, really important for everyone to think about this. Because not every patient who has pain, who has acute or chronic pain, has the disease of addiction. That's really clear. We know statistically that there are probably 32% of the American population that has some type of pain problem. But we know that a fair number of these folks uh, have also the disease of addiction. So one of the things that we talk about is not everybody who has chronic pain has addiction, but everybody with addiction is going to have a pain problem at some point in their life. And it's very important that this is thought about and talked about before the person finds themselves in a difficult situation that may include inappropriate pain medication or not taking any pain medicine at all, which is also a huge huge risk for folks for relapse. But um, a lot of common myths that we're going to talk about as the, as the hour goes by that people have about management of pain and what happens when folks have the disease of addiction. So I really appreciate the two of you being here and uh, talking about this subject from your standpoint. So we'll start with Michael. Welcome. Thank you. Now, Michael, I know that you're in long-term recovery and that you have had some very um, painful procedures recently. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what you've gone through and how you've been able to manage your pain? Well, I I went to the doctor about two weeks ago um, to have a couple of sunspots removed. Um, They turned out to be malignant um, with uh, basal cell. when I had the procedure, they said, you're going to experience a small amount of pain, um, you know, but just keep keep the wound clean, don't unwrap it, don't do anything for five days. Um, but they made me feel like I, yeah, it wasn't going to be that painful. Right. But then when I got home from the hospital um, the first day and the num- numbing wore away from, from the local, um, I, I was experiencing a lot of pain and I kept thinking well this is this is a lot of pain but he said it wouldn't be that painful so I guess I'm just being a baby (laughs) and this went on for three days four days and finally the fifth day I was just in excruciating pain and so we finally uh my partner said hey we got to go, you know, let's unwrap that and look at it. And, and we unwrapped it and looked at it and, and it had become very infected. Um, and that pretty much told me why I was in so much pain. 
And that's one of the first myths, I think, that we run across is that, first of all, that people who have the disease of addiction, they shouldn't need to take, they shouldn't take pain meds because that's going to put them at risk for relapse. And the second is that you're drug seeking. If suddenly you're feeling pain and you're wanting to consider pain meds, Mm -hmm. then you're drug seeking. Right, and you you begin to second guess yourself. You think, is this really as painful as I think it is? Do I really need a painkiller or would would a simple Tylenol do the trick? Um, and you just go through this whole litany of, of back and forth in your head. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's part of the, I guess it's part of the process. As, as you get further in your sobriety, that lessens a little bit. Right. But certainly I've had times in my sobriety where it's it's been more of a problem than it was this time. Well, and I, th- I think even for somebody with the long-term recovery that you have, th- the thoughts get in your head of, I shouldn't be having this much pain. The doctor said I should be able to be back to work tomorrow. If I go in and I talk about it, they're gonna. He's gonna think I'm just being a big baby. Mm-hmm. That thought that you're gonna be judged is is silencing for a lot of people. Right. The thought that you want to ask for medications, <clears throat> real often is the reason that that somebody in recovery doesn't disclose that they also have addiction because of the fear that if I say I have addiction, then they're not going to be able to get adequate pain medication recovery. Right. And and it it, it makes you want to keep it a secret. It makes you want to not talk about it, and that's dangerous. And by that, you mean not talk about the fact that you're in recovery and that you have the disease of addiction. Absolutely. Or that the doctor is prescribing an opiate um, um, because you're, you become fearful that if you tell anybody I was prescribed an opiate, they're going to assume that you're already in a relapse. Right. Yes. Yeah. So... so Jennifer, would you like to share with us a little bit about your history and what's been going on for you? Sure. Um, I broke my knee in the 90s and actually busted my kneecap. And I became addicted to Vicodin in the 90s by accident. I never even had a pain pill before that accident. And it's kind of been something that's haunted me throughout my recovery because I have all of the same feelings Michael mentioned. I feel guilty. And recently I had oral surgery and I developed an infection. And my doctor phoned in Tylenol 3, although I tell all of my doctors I'm in recovery. Um, it still makes me feel guilty to this day. I mean, I'm in terrible pain, and I'm ashamed that I take pain medication. It's a terrible push-pull yes. cycle. And then, plus the, the changes it makes in your personality on top of everything. Well, and you're, second, you're always second-guessing or second I almost feel like assessing. I let people down by taking what I need because I work so hard to not relapse and then I you get into a cycle in your head that it's just kind of hard to break at least it is for me because I've had so many surgeries in recovery between my broken nose and this and that a few things so um, anyway that's my experience 
And it's difficult. It, it, I think that both of your stories highlight some of the struggles that people have. Now, you both tell people that you're in recovery. That doesn't necessarily mean that your doctor understands what that means or that they're going to remember that five minutes from now. I have had patients tell the doctor, I don't want pain medicine. I've been addicted to them in the past. And on their way out, they get the script that's been printed out for them along with their instructions for their upcoming procedure. So the first thing I think that's really important is that you have to be honest about your disease so that the person can take the best care of you. The reality is that even though you've been in recovery and your receptor sites have gone back to more normal numbers, you still because of your history of addiction and because of the way your brain is actually wired, you're going to most likely need more anesthesia than a earth people or someone who doesn't have the disease of addiction. You're going to also potentially need more pain medication to have effective pain relief than someone who doesn't have the disease of addiction. So that's the first point, and hopefully your doctor will be familiar enough, and by doctor I mean any healthcare provider that might be doing a procedure, whether it's a colonoscopy or dental work or you know, surgery on, um, on your body parts, uh, hopefully they will understand the, um, the, the changes that happen in your brain because you have this disease and the fact that you might need more anesthesia and that you might need more pain medication. So that's a really important point for people to know. Their fear is, and I wish I could say it was an unfounded fear, their fear is that if they tell the doctor, then the doctor is not going to be willing to write the medication. And this is a real fear. It's also a real fear for the doctor because it is illegal. Yes, I see your faces. It's illegal for a doctor to write an opioid pain medication for someone who is a known, and I'm using air quotes here, everybody, known drug addict. The 1970 Controlled Substance Act and the 1978 um, uh, amendment to the Controlled Substance Act specifically says that you are prohibited for from providing an opioid prescription for pain relief for someone who has the disease of addiction. So this puts the doctor or other healthcare professionals in a very complicated spot. So one of the things that can be most helpful, and I would encourage folks that are in recovery to have this discussion with whoever is providing their addiction recovery support. It's important for that person to be in contact with their doctors and to have the discussion and have a consultation. If the doctor is doing this, either under consultation from an addiction medicine doctor or an addiction provider, then that helps mitigate their risk Mm -hmm. of violating the 1970 and 1978 um, uh, Controlled Substance Act. 
it also helps them get the information that they need to know about how to appropriately take care of you, like the fact that you might need more anesthesia that you might need more pain medication. And we'll talk a little bit later about other things that I would talk with the doctor about in terms of making sure that a person being exposed to pain medicine, um, the, the ways in which we mitigate that risk and the ways in which we decrease the possibility of a relapse. So, yes, it's a big controversy, but it's one that everyone in the in that suffers from the disease of addiction is going to have to deal with. And so it's a really important discussion to have. How am I going to manage both acute pain that you have had, but, Jennifer, you've also had chronic pain. That has Correct. been a difficult thing to, to mitigate. It's been one of the biggest forces behind relapse for me. Um, and I'm not a pain seeker at all as far as wanting medication, but I want relief. And so you find yourself in this cycle where I've smoked marijuana, I've done other things that I shouldn't do, but it's just to get a break. And I I understand, too, because I have actually, um, I woke up during stem cell treatment when they had a needle in my knee, and I said, hey, I'm awake, because (laughs) it was very painful. And the guy, they knocked me right back out. So I'm that person that you have to actually give more medication to because I will wake up and be ready to leave. Um, And that's not a good thing. No, not at all. To wake up. That is poor medical care. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other myths around managing pain in the patient with addiction. Please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, I'd like to thank my special guests, and because you're seeing the image of the American flag, you know something's up. Not that that isn't always in our background, but the idea that I have uh, two folks who have been very brave and willing to come and share their story of how they have successfully managed to deal with very painful and difficult uh, procedures, both chronic and acute, and yet uh, maintain their recovery. I think one of the myths that I'd really like to break at this point is the idea that I see with a lot of our older patients. A lot of our older patients that may not have gotten their education around the disease of addiction to include the fact that this is a disease. The problem is with your brain, not with the substance. Plenty of people can drink alcohol. Plenty of people can take pain medicine and not get into trouble. That's not the problem. The problem is the brain. But many of our folks, particularly those that are primarily alcoholics, Mm -hmm. they get into their recovery and they think, my problem's with alcohol. And it doesn't even occur to them that they might have trouble with anesthesia. They might get into trouble with pain medication, and I've seen some really horrific relapses for folks that have had good long-term recovery, Mm -hmm. not recognizing this fact that um, I know for at least one of you, alcohol is your... um, That would be me. That would be you, (laughs) is your drug of choice, and that that, um, but that doesn't free you from the the opportunity to to develop um, addiction to another substance, or to lead you back to the idea of your original. Well, that's the thing is, you think well, well, my problem is alcohol. I primarily used alcohol. Now, I would use pretty much every drug that that came my way, but I, I would never seek things out. It was always I always had alcohol. Um, and and so when you're when you're assigned to to you know take opiates for your pain, um, during that period of time when you're taking them, you do have more thoughts come in that mm, you know I feel kind of good. I would I would kind of like to enhance this a little bit. You know, and of course, I have never acted on it. But what I what I have to say is that no matter how long you have in sobriety, right, those feelings are are very very prevalent. You know, they're there. They're real and they're normal. They never leave. It's it's alive every day, especially now because I had to take medication over the weekend, and it's like. I'm happy that I'm sober, but 
I'm scared because I had a relapse and I'm just getting back on track and, you know, brings my disease back to full force. I haven't enough time, again, to feel like I can um, relax right now, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And and for me, just um, making sure that I, I keep in contact with with other sober people and keep in contact with people, you know, friends and, and, and uh, folks that are part of my support, but also just to, to keep connected. Because I think that when a person with addiction is, is under, you know, using opiates for, for procedure or whatever, it's very easy to want to isolate again. It's very easy to think, oh, I'm sick, I should stay home, I should pull the covers up and just watch TV and keep the blinds closed and... Hang out on the couch. Yeah, and just be uh, Watch HGTV. (laughs) um, Tiny house. No, yeah, tiny house. (laughs) But, no, I'm the same way. I I know. It's like I can feel myself creep into that space in a matter of a day. Mm -hmm. And it's a frightening space. And and the thing that's that's been real insulary for both of y'all is that you're both so connected with with a recovery support network and you you're both so open with your um <coughs> your people that um it's it's not been able to become a secret because that secrets really is where addiction lies keeping a secret from the doctor as to being an addict keeping a secret from the doctor as to pain medications but also keeping a secret from those around you about having had the prescription or temptations to not take the prescription as prescribed because we know those are going to happen that's part of the disease that is the disease of addiction if i have one i want more and and so we know that's going to happen but when that becomes a secret the odds are happening becomes much much greater when you're able to just own it and say you know this makes me feel kind of happy and i kind of want another one (laughs) then we'll say that's that's normal don't Mm -hmm. do it so both um, the secret and, as you said, um, uh, Jen and Michael, uh, both of you felt this tendency to want to withdraw. Yes. And that withdrawal is also a part of addiction. Maybe not in the beginning. Many people start to use drugs or alcohol or other behaviors in the company of others. But as the disease progresses, the person tends to be more and more in isolation and use more and more in isolation. So part of, unfortunately, when you have had a procedure, when you are suffering, the doctor says... Stay in your bed. Take it easy. Don't go out. And, and so part of self-care in that case is to take it easy, take care of yourself, do the things that you're supposed to do. But m- so much about this recreates the whole thought process and the behavioral process of the disease of addiction. Absolutely. And that is what's so scary about um, having procedures and having exposure to well, and I think that that when we look at at how pain is such a pathway to addiction, anyway, there there are people who will have a pain issue and they'll have pain opiates prescribed and they're going to like that feeling and they'll they'll say, oh, I want some more of this, and they're on one pathway towards 
ending right. up with addiction. But there's others who have that pain, and then they become their sleep gets messed up because when you have pain, you can't get comfortable, and your mood gets a little bit messed up because when you're not sleeping right, your mood tends to get off balance. And the next thing you know, they're wanting something just for, as you said earlier, a little bit of relief, a little bit of peace, and. What starts out as an innocent, I just need something to help me sleep, turns into um, dependency and addiction. I mean, when I had my procedure, I left with tramadol. I refused the narcotic, um, or op- what is it, opioid uh, mm-hmm. prescription, which was, I think it was hydrocodone. I don't even know. I didn't ask for it. But um, by Saturday, my face, but then I'm like, what part of my pain has taken over I don't operate from an intelligent mind when I'm in pain I operate from a very basic place and it's like I know I get that's why I'm afraid you know but and I know I'll make a mistake and I've made enough and that's the normal human reaction to pain pain but totally blocks <laughs> right. but in this area you are that's my point you are normal that when you're in pain you go into this primal i'm going to just withdraw and take care of myself because that's what mm-hmm. when you're in pain you do whether you're an animal any kind of mammal when you're in pain you pull back the the dangerous part is that when chemicals get in there it starts to change the processing well, I've learned when I'm at my best, my addiction's stronger than me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I'm weak, it's ten times more powerful than I've ever thought of being. And that's what is the most frightening part. We don't think about that when we're in the throes of using a medication that's dangerous to us. Correct. We've lost all concept of danger time and anything else that matters really to me yeah it's just a thought of relief at that time right which is why it's so important before you walk into the doctor's office for the first point time that your your support system knows what's going on well luckily like in in my experience of going to meetings and and having sponsors and, and hearing other stories in in aa um you, you hear that you need to talk to your doctor prior to this. You need to talk to your addictionologist or whoever is is kind of your primary um, medical person and talk it through, have a plan, and, and stick with that plan. And if you need help, ask somebody for help. And that is, um, that is very, very important. Uh, as people are leaving treatment centers, as people are developing aftercare plans from acute stabilization and treatment, this discussion about how am I going to manage pain is, has got to be part of that plan. And it's really critical that it is because without this kind of pre-prep, there's a few things that can really go wrong, both from the doctor's standpoint as well as the patient's standpoint, and that's very difficult. So one of the things, when I'm talking to the doctor, I do let them know about they may need more anesthesia because you don't want to be waking up during the procedure. You may need more pain medication. That the pain medicine should be written on a schedule. Now, 
I'll, I'll ask any of you to go home and look in your medicine cabinet and read a prescription for pain medicine that I know all of you have got hoarded in there. <laughs> look at that prescription, even if it's from 1980, and it's going to say take one or two every four to six hours as needed. <laughs> for pain. For pain. And that is the worst thing you can do to someone who has the disease of addiction. But you know what? That's the worst thing you can do to someone who has pain. The doctor knows what the usual progress of the pain and the healing is for whatever procedure or complication that you're dealing with. So they know when it's going to take three days of really intense pain, and then over the next two weeks, it's going to get less. They, they have some idea about that. So the pain medication should be written as two pills every four hours for 24, 48 hours, whatever it is. It should be given on a regular schedule, not left up to the person to decide. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about more myths and more solutions. Please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today I have in studio two special guests, Michael D. and Jennifer T. They have graciously agreed to come and help educate all of you listeners on some of the myths and some of the solutions in managing pain in a, a patient who has the disease of addiction. During the break... We talked a little bit about one of the, the feelings that gets brought up as you're trying to deal with a painful condition or anticipate having a procedure. And that's the idea of shame. Shame is the bugaboo that we spend a lot of time don't we, David? Oh, absolutely. Working with folks. Um, the difference between a healthy guilt about when you've done something wrong and that you need to take ownership and you need to do what you can do to make right. That is a motivating, energizing feeling. It is appropriate. We all feel it. We all make mistakes. We all do things that we wish we hadn't. And so that is a normal, healthy response to a situation where you've made a bad choice or you've done something inappropriately. Shame, however, is not guilt. Shame is a feeling of, and I'm such a bad person, and I've done something wrong, and I always do this, and that round and round negative self-talk and the horrible feelings it creates that do not motivate to make a change that actually keep people stuck. And one of the things that sometimes comes up when people are in the midst of having uh, pain and difficulty is this is this feeling. Yes, I when I had surgery in 2011 um, for my knee, I told the doctor, it was someone I had never really met before, that I had an addiction issue, and it immediately caused a shift in the way he treated me because I understand that he was afraid to prescribe me medication and I just wanted him to know that if I asked for extra medication he maybe shouldn't give it to me or whichever way it goes when you have surgery you never know how you're going to feel and react and I strangely ended up with a sciatic issue and I ended up relapsing on alcohol um, which is my drug of choice actually and I, I mean, so there's so many elements that come into play. It's just, it's hard, but you have to be honest with your primary addiction care doctor, not your other doctor. Start with Dr. Blank if she's your doctor or whoever, because that's where you have to start, because it's really, that's the disease that runs your life, not the knee injury, not the toothache, not the... The, the sunspot, it's so many things that play off of our addiction. I think what's so crucial about that advice in particular is that it, it makes sure the conversation happens and it, and it makes sure that it happens in a way that the other doctor is going to hear it and understand it. Um, so when you are in the process of selecting an addiction um, psychiatrist or addiction doctor to work with, be sure that there's somebody who's going to be willing to pick up the phone and make those phone calls. Because I think that many, many people have what we would call white coat syndrome, <laughs> that 
when they're standing in front of a doctor, they don't ask questions. They don't question whether this is right or wrong. They, um, you know, they minimize situations just because this is a person in authority who has a white coat and they're a doctor. I think addicts have that tenfold. Um, and and so they go si- they either go silent and they don't say anything or they'll talk 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 and they still won't say anything and they'll walk out of the doctor's office thinking that they've got everything under control and they don't um, so I think your suggestion of, of having your addiction psychiatrist doctor talk to them is great but the other thing that I always suggest is this is not a place to go alone take somebody with you to the doctor's office who knows your truth who knows the mm-hmm. the um the facts about the situation is able to ask questions and, and have that conversation with them ahead of time that you know if there's something i'm not asking ask speak up exactly and or when you come home from surgery even though you know you have the best of intentions always have somebody there that's not been under the influence of anesthesia to monitor your pain medication in the beginning because you will get skewed on what's four hours or six hours. It happens to everyone. Right. Yes. So, um, and also, I think, too, that the the amount of addiction and alcoholism that's in our society in general that's treated or untreated, there's often an uncomfortable situation that's created when you just say, I'm in recovery. Um Maybe not so much about you. It could be. I mean, we're all human. It could be as much on the medical side as it is on the on the patient side. And I just always try to be sensitive to that when I say I'm in recovery, and just know that we all have high stress careers and we all make we're human. You know, one thing I noticed different this time with with the experience that Michael went through. Um, I actually went with Michael to a few of the doctor's appointments. And in this age of, of electronic medical records, when the doctor comes into the office, he's looking at a screen for just this incident. There's no history on there. There's, it's obvious when you talk to the doctor that he has not heard the history of all of the other visits that took place prior to this. So he's, he's addressing this situation in the now only. Right. And as the consumer, we're sitting there thinking, all of these notes are in the computer. Why don't you already know this? Um, but probably they haven't had time to read it, and, and it's not right there. I just always bring it up again because yes. uh, the today when I went to the dentist this morning, uh, I had to remind my dentist that I don't drink. We were talking, and um, I just I brought it up. I said, well, you know, I don't drink. And then, and I'm, I'm open about the fact that I've been very fortunate. I've, I take medications that help me balance myself out um, and stay sober. And, you know, I tell the doctor those medications. Sometimes doctors aren't even understanding what those medications Absolutely. are because they're advanced. They're, I don't know if, they're, if it's advanced or what is it, Dr. Blank? Is it just it's not awareness because it's not their area of medicine? But I try to explain why I take it and what it is um, just because I want them to be, no. I mean, when I write something down and they're like, what's this? And you tell them, they're like, oh. <laughs> oh, I Different see. Different specialty. Exactly. Which is why you have to have the conversation and which is why you have to have somebody with you that can help translate back and forth this idea. That we, we all hope that our doctor is all-knowing. 
that they understand all diseases, not just the ones in front of them, that they've read all of the literature from everything. (laughs) It's impossible. It's impossible. We hope that they are really knowledgeable in their area, that they're going to be taking care of us, of course, and that they're knowledgeable about the medicine that they're going to prescribe. But the other thing that's important for the person with addiction to know is that at the end of the day, you are responsible for what you put in your mouth, what you take, what you allow um, to be injected, ingested in your body, and that as well-meaning as many health care providers may be, they may not know it. They also may they're human, as as you said, Jennifer, and one of the things, they may feel uncomfortable letting you know they don't know. <laughs> it's many areas of, you know, uncomfortable is just, it could be different directions right. with it. You know, we can all have a problem or a situation that's not treated. But for me, I just know if I'm not honest, something's going to happen. It's just, I have to be that honest. Well, and I think that brings us back to that talk that we were initially in the first segment talking about that little self um, self dialogue that's always going on now am I being honest and is this honestly or you know you're always second guessing right I do and I here and here here in in your situation where you were experiencing pain that isn't normal that's one of the things that I always tell my patients and I tell the doctor the surgeon, the anesthesiologist, if the patient is having pain that seems outside of the norm, then I'm going to tell them they need to come back and see you because something is wrong. If it's not the expected level of pain, if it's more than the expected level of medication, if it's longer than we expect, then there is a problem. Something else is going on. And just because you have the disease of addiction does not mean that you're protected from infections or from a sponge left in your stomach or from um, medical errors or just um, things that are unique to your own body, your own system. So if it is not going as, as we plan, and this is why often because of the law, a lot of times the doctors will say to me, as I'm calling to talk about how to manage a patient post-op in terms of their pain medicine, they'll say, would you just write that medicine? So I often end up being the person writing the pain medicine because it's legal for me to write for someone. And also, I'm going to be following up very closely because if it's not right, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. You need to go to the doctor, and well, you need to be seen. And I experienced that exact same, exact thing where once I once I decided, oh, I or was prompted to go because something was wrong. And yes, we need to look at this, even though you know it's a couple hours short of five days or whatever. Um, once I get there, I tell the nurse, oh, I have some infection. She's thinking, oh, okay. The doctor comes in and says, what's going on? You're, you say, well, I have some infection. She unwraps it, and she's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not little infection, you know. Yeah. And it's like, it's oh, a major. that's why I That's like why I you were did. in pain. Mm-hmm. 
And it is this dilemma, and that's why you need a partner, someone to help you get through this, to go with you for the procedure, to ask the questions, to manage the pain. And, Jennifer, thank you, pain medication, thank you for bringing that up because that's another important thing. Somebody else be responsible for giving you your pain meds and keeping track of them and keeping track of the time because... Time and space are distorted when you are under the influence of pain medicine and or anesthesia. So it's very important that someone else is tracking this and helping you know and that that person is part of your team, comes to your appointments, and understands the plan so that if something isn't right, they can help you take action. Again, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about some of the myths and some of the solutions. Please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is America's Web Radio. Today in studio, David Donaldson and I have um, our special guests, Michael D. and Jennifer T. They uh, have been very willing to come and openly and honestly share their experience in dealing with pain, both acute and chronic, and also dealing with the chronic um, 
unfortunately, potentially lethal disease of addiction. So there have been a couple of points that we've made, and I think they're important to reiterate. And one is that you need to be honest that this um, process requires a lot of additional support that you hopefully are including your addiction management person as well as um, your recovery network in knowing what's been going on and in being able to help you um, manage this, that you have someone go with you to the doctor, that you may even ask your addiction medicine specialist to intercede with the surgeon, the anesthesiologist, and help them have more information about how to appropriately manage the pain medication, that you have someone else give you the medication on a schedule, If you are having more pain, something is wrong and that you need to be sure that you follow up with the the surgeon or who is managing your pain with... um, with them very quickly because something's wrong if this pain plan doesn't work. There's also, as uh, as we were talking during the break, something that happens when you've taken medication for longer than a few days. It really does change not only your perception of pain, but can actually rewire some of the pain messages that are going up through your spinal cord and into your brain. And people can actually begin to have more pain because of the pain medicine itself. I've had that happen. (laughs) Um, So is this the same thing as what was once upon a time called rebound pain? Yes. Where... The pain itself that was being initially treated is is managed, and they begin having pain elsewhere. Pain, mm-hmm. and that if you are on pain medicine and you were to break your arm, your that is going to be more painful to you. Your experience of that more painful because you're on pain medicine already than it would have been had you broken your arm and not been on pain medicine. This is one of the difficulties. So, wait, you're saying you're on pain med for chronic pain. Right. And then you just happen to trip and break your arm. Right. And now you're experiencing much more pain for a broken arm than a normal person without anything. Okay. Yes, and this is one of the difficulties with using opiates in a chronic way. It does rewire your system, and you begin to experience uh, additional pain, sometimes pain in other areas than where the original injury was. Sometimes that is progression of the disease. If you have arthritis, arthritis is a progressive disease. It's going to get worse as you get older or as you have accidents or injuries. So sometimes the increased pain is because of that, but sometimes the increased pain is not because the disease has progressed. It's actually because of the pain medicine itself, and this is called... um, uh, hyperalgesia. So now you're having pain, more pain than you would have being off the pain meds themselves. But and part of what we talk about with with rebound pain is that it's still real pain, right? But opiates aren't the treatment for it. And I think when we think about chronic pain, pain that's going beyond the six month point, we have to start looking at, and hopefully we've already started looking at alternative therapies. Yes. Um, some of them I just want to throw out there. 
biofeedback. Um, <clears throat> at AHC, we uh, we recommend neurofeedback, which really helps to reduce a lot of the um, the brain's responses and helps to help the brain manage that in ways other than opiates. Um, yoga, breathing, acupuncture. Um, we often have recommended a, a great acupuncturist near here. Um, physical therapy, massage therapy, things that don't include um, continuing to add more chemicals into your system. Mm-hmm. I can say yoga, acupuncture, breathing exercises, and neurofeedback have totally changed my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really has. So It makes a huge difference, and there are lots of options out there. I think more and more doctors are learning about these things, and hopefully uh, we will have fewer people not only becoming inadvertently um, aware now of their disease of addiction because of their exposure to pain meds, um, but fewer people with um, addiction who are relapsing as we get a better understanding of more appropriate ways to manage pain, both acute and chronic. So for you, Jennifer, in terms of how it's changed your life, I'm imagining that this is one way that you've been able to regain some control or a sense of control. Well, since my last relapse, um, I think we had a pain protocol for me and the neurofeedback and also worked on my cravings. And I really don't have pain. Like, I, I mean, I used to have pain in the night that would wake me up with my leg or, you know, just other sports injuries I've had. And I don't have that anymore. Um, my, li- my life is very different. It's almost like it happened and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. It was so, but my rest is better when I sleep at night. Um, just a lot of things are different than they used to be. I think that's a really good explanation that the, it happened and I didn't realize it. Um, because with neurofeedback, it's, it's such a funny thing. Apparently, you're getting better, 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 and then all of a sudden, the little light bulb goes on, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I feel better, but I didn't I didn't see the, <laughs> the baby steps. Well, everything's different, because when I took away that pain, my executive functioning skills improved, and so many other areas improved that were lacking, because pain causes you to be, just Consumed. react at such a basic Primal. level. You're an animal, basically, just trying to, you know, save yourself. So that's been my my basic reaction to what I did with everything. And I think that's a really important um, other piece is that many times people who have the disease of addiction feel like I shouldn't get pain medication, I shouldn't have pain relief, and yet the truth is you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. This is critical. Your risk of having a relapse is so much greater if you don't pay adequate attention to the pain. It, it, it's so basic. You have to do that, too. One thing that I want to touch on real quick that David had brought up, um, having been in in you know, a couple of the sessions with my doctor, um, seeing the doctor with everything right in front of him for this episode and not having the ability to, or, or, or time to go back and look at everything. It makes a person just fix the problem right there. And that's kind of the way some medicine goes is let's just fix this problem and get you on your way. Whereas at, 
in our practice at Atlanta Healing Center, we talk about the whole thing and lay out a plan, and it's not just an episode. It's a, it's a continuation of your treatment. And you just feel so much more cared for than just, okay, I'm going to fix it, and off you go. That's why people relapse. Mm-hmm. It's well, not a complete plan. And I think also um, addicts will, will relapse if it's not adequately taken care of. But I've also known addicts who are, who are so rigid around, I can't have anything for pain, that they'll end up getting to a place of being suicidal. Right. Um, which is just not a place we want to go. We want to recognize that there's solutions and there's hope and and people don't have to live in that kind of misery when there's so many options available nowadays. And one of the um, one of the things that is really important is to work closely in terms of the pain management uh, with whoever um, hopefully one doctor writing all of the meds and the other tendency is to try and get off the medication too quickly. And I know a lot of my patients, I've had to ask them to slow down because we also don't need somebody <laughs> to be in opiate withdrawal when they're in the midst of trying to heal from their painful condition. You need to take the medication as directed yep. for the length of time directed. If there is increased pain or a problem, that's someone else's decision to make. It's not the person with addiction's decision to make how long and how much. Well, and and that's hard. It is. It's really hard. <laughs> and even for a person in long-term recovery, it's very hard. What one of the things that I just love that I learned at the Atlanta Healing Center is that from you, Doctor Blank, is that when you take a medication as prescribed. And on schedule, it's taking medication. When you take it as needed for pain, kind of wishy-washy, it's a drug. And it's addiction. Thank you both so much for being here and sharing your stories. Thank you, David, and thank all of you for listening. Thank you. We will see you next week on Detailing Addiction. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.